0: I think Rob would do pretty well with the live mouse, yeah. yeah. Well, hey, everybody, Merry Christmas, and uh, yeah, it's just a joy to be together here uh, this morning in this place and to be able to laugh together and celebrate. and. Um, uh, yeah just love everything about this time of year, you know, as it approaches and uh, we just get to celebrate. Um, I must admit one thing um, there are times when as Christmas approaches, when I feel like my heart isn't quite there yet, you know, and you might be like, well, you're the pastor, that shouldn't happen to you um, but it but it does and um, and so it takes some serious intentionality to really sometimes engage at a heart level and and to really celebrate and to enter in fully to the point and um, And so as I was kind of thinking about that, um, and I was choosing the passages that we would look at today, um, I was just reminded in a fresh way, and I was so excited to share these with you, but I was just reminded in a fresh way of exactly what we're celebrating this morning, and uh, so incredible. And so um, I think you're gonna find it very relevant to your life, and I pray that it takes all of us to a place of of really worship before God. You know, you might be here today, and you might be a Christian, you might be here today, and maybe you've been away from church for a while, Or maybe you'd say, you know what, I'm, this is a first, this is all new to me, and I'm just exploring faith, actually, this morning. And my prayer is really that this time would really take us to a place where we'd understand who God is, and then really just be able to worship Him in this place. And so, with that said, um, I would love just to pray um, for us, and uh, us pray together, and just kind of seek God and say, Lord, would you lead us now in this time? So, yeah, would you, would you pray with me, and then we'll start. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that you brought us to this place this morning. Lord, it's an absolute joy uh, to worship you. Thank you that that this uh, large group of people said, you know what? It's cold outside, but but we want to come and uh, and hear and, and worship you. And and father, we just want to say um, you are so incredibly worthy. Um, we love you. We love the fact that you are not distant from us. You know, every single person in this room so incredibly well. And so, Father, thank you for this opportunity now to just open your word and to hear from you. And I pray, Lord, it wouldn't be my words that would be heard, but it would be your spirit speaking to us today in this place. And so we invite you now um, at the core of our being to speak to us and to lead us in this place. And so we pray this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, a few days after Thanksgiving, um, our family decided that it was the day to uh, get out the Christmas decorations and decorate the Christmas tree. And, and I don't know about you, but in my mind, um, this is like an event, you know? I think about when we're going to do this. We kind of plan it out. And everything about it in my mind uh, is, is kind of picture perfect. It's nostalgic. It's warm. The fireplace is going. The Christmas music is playing. Christina's made like these, uh, her homemade sugar cookies, which I think are just, they're phenomenal, and, and then there's those little sausages, you know, those little smokies, they're bathing in barbecue sauce, slowly cooking on the, on the stove, you know what I'm talking about, and, and just everything about this time is, is just perfect in my mind, that is until we, our family, enters the picture do you ever do you ever have that happen to you where you have an idea of how something's gonna play out and in your mind it's just perfect, but then when you get right down to it, it doesn't quite play out the way that you wish that it would. Do you ever had that experience? In your mind it's nice and it's tidy and everybody gets along, and then it happens, and it's not quite that way. Have you ever seen that movie National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase? You remember that? You remember that movie? Take a look at this clip. This might make you feel a little bit better. Hey. Die, Carol. Take it, Russ. la 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 la. Clark, we're stuck under a truck. Oops. I give you the Griswold family Christmas tree. Hope you're not getting sap all over your sweater, Clark. Will not here to work on that Merry Christmas we didn't come to impose it was plenty of room do you sleep with your brother do you know how sick and twisted that is mom well I'm sleeping with your father have you got a kiss for me eh, you better take a rain check on that all right he's got lip fungus they ain't identified yet but Eddie wanted to make it a surprise. If I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am right now. <laughs> ah, I'm really gonna fly down the hill with this stuff. Can I refill your eggnog for you? Drive you out to the middle of nowhere, leave you for dead? Merry Christmas! If Santa is smart, he'll stay well clear of this joint. It's a death trap. What? <laughs> <laughs> I want you to say grace. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. That thing had nine lives, she just spit them all. Does that make you feel a little bit better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just watch that over and over again, yeah. Well, our little Christmas, uh, you know, put the tree up experience um, wasn't off to a very good start, and it all actually started with me. Um, I wasn't in a very good mood. I was actually labeled by the end of the evening grouchy, which I thought was a little harsh, but it actually, upon reflection, fit me pretty well. Um, but there were other things that, that played into our, our evening as well. It started really with the the tree. For some reason, our tree was completely uncooperative. It was more like a problem child. Um, for some reason, this Christmas tree that we picked out, ordinary pine tree, it was sharper than normal, like more prickly. Like at one point, uh, Ashlyn actually said, "Dad, there's something wrong with this tree." She said, "Look at my finger. I'm bleeding," and it, she was, you know, and and then for some reason we couldn't find the lights you know I got down all these boxes and I mean lots of boxes of stuff and and I'm looking for over an hour find, trying to find these lights and finally the oldest got up in the attic again and 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 found them and and then we started decorating the tree but no one wanted to touch the tree so that was another thing you know and 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 as we're decorating though and the kids are like just carefully placing stuff they're not hanging anything they don't want to touch they're just pushing stuff in you know and and but as we're doing that, I just sat down and thought, oh, "I'll just watch the kids for a little bit." Well, the boys thought, "Hey, it's time to wrestle," you know, like normal. And so they came over and they're kind of roughhousing me a little bit, and we're sparring. And and all of a sudden, um, I pushed one of them back off of me, and he stepped back. And all of a sudden, we heard this big pop and this kind of like uh, like um, you know glass breaking noise, if you know what I mean. And he stepped right on a Christmas glass bulb, and and it didn't hurt him at all, but you know, one less bulb for the tree, and. And it just kept going like that, one thing after another. Have you ever had that experience? Well, here's the thing that happened then. Right in the midst of it all, what happened next is exactly what I needed. It was as though God in that moment just uh, reminded me of, of a truth that, that is pretty profound, but he reminded me of it in a, in a very simple way, something I think he just wanted me to hear to the, the core of my being and to be reminded of. So Ashlyn, our, our daughter, is on a chair, and I'm on another chair with her, and we're putting together the the uh, manger scene. We're kind of assembling it on the on the Christmas or on the on the uh, fireplace mantle, and so you can picture it. You know, it's Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the donkeys and you know the sheep and everybody. It's the whole cast. And so in the midst of that, she sees the donkey who lost his ear a few years ago from a fall. And then she sees, I think we got a picture of this, and then she sees the shepherd who lost his arm a couple years <laughs> before that trying to catch a football, I think is what he was trying to do from one of the boys. And, and, and so she says to me in the midst of putting those figures around this little nativity scene, she says, Dad, this is a pretty broken group that we've got here. And I thought to myself, you just gave me an idea for my sermon. I knew I loved you more than the boys, you know? <laughs> Just kidding, I don't love her more than the boys, but, but here's the thing. At this point then, we're both standing on chairs, right, and we're putting the pieces together of all this, all the manger uh, scene, the whole cast, all the characters, and I've got this, these words running through my mind that she's just said to me, Dad, look at this. We've got a pretty broken group, don't we? And then right in the middle of that, I see her, she takes Mary and she holding Jesus, and she places it right in the, in the center of the whole cast. And it was if, as if God just whispered to me in that moment, kind of like this unplanned, kind of holy moment, that God reminded me, hey, Jeff, I didn't come to join the perfect cast. And, and Jeff, I'm cool with the fact that everything didn't go well for you at home tonight. Even your mood, I can handle. And it was as though God reminded me, I came right down directly into a mess. When I showed up on earth, it wasn't easy. There was nothing nice and tidy about it. Instead, I meet you in the mess. And I come for you, and I, I seek you right where you are, not on your best day, on your normal day. And even more importantly, I come for you on your worst day. And my highest desire is that when I come, I just want to be with you. Now, though it would have seemed appropriate, and as a Christian I think particularly, um, it would have been appropriate in our minds if we could have gone out and maybe got a new shepherd and a, and a new donkey um, because, you know, it's the manger scene and, and Jesus is in it and, you know, you, you revere Jesus, Right? And, but the reality was we, we, we didn't do that. We couldn't do that. Nor could we go back and, and kind of pick up our day and, and make it um, more perfect and, and have no one argue and improve my mood. And it was as though God, though, whispered to me, even just thinking about that hey, you know what? It's okay. I came in the middle of the mess, I came in the middle of brokenness. I didn't come to perfect. I came to people with addictions. I came to people with problems. I come right in the middle of the mess. And I was reminded that while God, I mean, think about this, God could have chosen to have been above us, like so far out of reach that we would, we would say, God, you are holy, God, um, we revere you, we fear you, but you are untouchable. Or could God could have come and he could have been just a few steps ahead of us. Ahead of us, far enough in front of us that he was out of our reach with our imperfection. But he didn't. And it just this simple truth just blew me away. He came right down in the center of it all. He enters right in to our brokenness. And he chose to be with us. And that's just one of the things that I love about Christmas. It's this reminder that God doesn't skirt the brokenness. And God sees the pain that sometimes you feel, and he understands it. And he sees the things that we experience, and he's, they're not foreign to them. And instead of avoiding them, he enters into them. God doesn't avoid the messy divorce. And God doesn't put his hand out at the person who's been away. He doesn't give them the hand, the person that's made choices that honestly, they wish they could just go back and redo them. God doesn't do that. God doesn't refrain either from the pain or the loneliness that sometimes, oftentimes, particularly this time of year, brings about. God isn't repelled by brokenness. Instead, he runs right to it. And that truth just landed with me. You know, I'm struck by the power of the words that we see used in Matthew chapter 1. In the book of Matthew and then in the New Testament book of Luke, those are the two main places in the scriptures where we see the Christmas story and all of its kind of its fullness. And when we look at it in the context of the book of Luke, we see it through the eyes of Mary and we get her perspective. When we look at it in the book of Matthew, we see it through the eyes of Joseph and everything that he thought and everything that was kind of around of of his storyline. And so what I want to do is I want to take you to Matthew chapter 1 and read to you this rather brief uh, account of the birth of Christ. And, and so the, the scene, it's, it's the Christmas story. But the thing that I don't want you to miss this morning is this. I don't want you to miss how it ends because it ends with this promise. It ends with this promise. And what I love about this promise is it's the kind of promise that it has no bounds at all. You, you could be seven years old and this applies to you. You could be a CEO and it applies to you. Young, old, no bounds does this promise have. And so it says this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Now, you can just enter in here. You can enter in, okay, this story is going to have some divine encounters in it. But you can also insert right here, this story just got incredibly, incredibly complicated. Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was was faithful to the law, the law of God, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, we don't know a lot from Matthew chapter 1 about the life of Joseph, but even just from this little passage, we can tell a few things about him. He was a God-fearing guy. He was a guy that he obeyed the law of God, and so in his mind, he knew that he needed to get out of this relationship because Mary was wrong, and so, but instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to publicly disgrace you, Mary, instead, Joseph said, you know what, I'm going to do the right thing, and I'll divorce her quietly. I won't humiliate her on the public front, but you can just imagine. Think of the drama here. Imagine the conversation that they had. Imagine when Joseph said, Mary, it's evident you are with child, and this is not from me. Imagine that. And then the story goes on, verse 20, it says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. So he's thinking, okay, I'm going to divorce her quietly. Angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David do not be afraid to take mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the holy spirit meaning joseph this is a god thing joseph mary has not been unfaithful to you verse 21 she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name jesus because he will save the people from their sins now you read through the bible cover to cover and you find out a whole lot of things about what it means when, when a person puts their faith in Christ, how that impacts the rest of their life and every aspect of it. But one of the things that just stuck out to me again this week was this, right in the midst of the story of the birth of Christ, one of the major things that happens to a person who puts their faith in Christ is this, it says that he will save the people from their sins. I mean, that alone, we just, we stop and we celebrate, wow. The birth of Jesus Christ means that the wrong in my life, my life, is forgiven by this Savior who would come. And then it says this in verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's the promise. That's the promise that I hope that you'll leave here with today. Something that you'll be able to say, okay, what did he talk about? He talked about this. God is with us. It's this promise that knows absolutely no bounds. And then it says this. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary to be his wife. Now, there are so many things that we could talk about coming out of this this story, but my goal this morning is simple. I want just to simply show you what was the extent to which God went to dwell that promise with us. What did he do? How significant? How much of a big deal was it for God to actually dwell with us? Because here's the thing, when we experience life with God, when we experience his presence in our life, it changes everything. And know this, he meets us in the mess. He comes right into the brokenness. And so I want to help us see this from the scriptures today to the very best of my ability. And this is so important this morning. Because here's the thing, if you left this room and you went out and, and you asked maybe 10 people, 10 strangers, and you said to them, do you believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that you can know God personally? And then if you followed it up by saying this, do you believe that God is actually for you? Do You ask people that question, 10 people what would probably happen is the majority of them would give you answers that would be filled with all sorts of doubt and uncertainty, and that couldn't be further from the heart of God. And the truth is, when we do experience His presence and His love and His grace and His forgiveness, it changes everything. The fact that God is with us. Game changer. There's a pastor named John Orberg. He's an author as well, and He wrote a good book called God is Closer Than You Think, and and in it he said this. I want to read this quote to you. It's a little bit long, but it's powerful. He said, the central promise in the Bible is not, I will forgive you, although of course that promise is there. It is not the promise of life after death, although we are offered that as well. The most frequent promise in the Bible is, I will be with you. Before Adam and Eve ever sinned or needed forgiveness, they were promised God's presence. He would walk with them in the cool of the day. The promise came to Enoch, and he's going to go through, he's going to list all these people from the start of the Bible all the way through. The promise came to Enoch who walked with God. It was made to Noah, to Abraham and Sarah, to Jacob and Joseph and Mary and David and Amos and Mary and Paul and too many others to list. When God himself came to earth, his redemptive name was Emmanuel, God with us. When Jesus left, his promise was to send the Spirit so that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now here's the thing. If you read through the scriptures, you see over and over again this promise that God lavishes on us. And the promise is this, I will be with you. It's recorded this way in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. God speaking, my dwelling place will be with them. And I will be their God. And they will be my people. Now here's the thing. Life will have its messes, won't it? I mean, there is no perfect family. There is no perfect relationship. There is no perfect workplace. Life will have its, its messes, but the presence of God is so real. You know, if there's one thing I think that screams the love of God to us, it's the manner in which Jesus came to be with us. And I think we need to kind of, this time of year particularly, we need to remember, okay, what really happened? What's the magnitude of that? Or maybe even this morning you need to just be able to see that for the very first time. What was the high price that God paid to dwell with us? Because here's the thing, it wasn't easy for God. It cost him everything. It cost him more than we can get our minds around. It causes us to pause and just reflect, and it leads us really to a place of worship. And it was also hard for God because it wasn't as though God was coming to a people that were like, with open arms, Lord, we receive you. We've been waiting for you to come, our long-awaited Savior. We're so glad that you're here. That wasn't the case. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he wrote this letter to this church, to this group of people in the city of Philippi. And in this letter, Paul speaks directly to the distance that God was willing to travel for you and I. The distance that God was willing to travel to be with us. And so Paul speaks of Jesus, and he says this in Philippians 2, verse 6. He says, who, Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Now, think about this. I know for me personally, when I hear the Christmas story, and particularly when I get to that part where it says that there was no room in the inn, you know what I'm talking about? Mary and Joseph, they're on their way, Mary's going into labor, they can't find a place, there's no room in the inn, and then Jesus ends up, true story, being born in a barn. Now I don't have to tell you how weird and hard and awkward that would have been. You know what you find on the floor of a barn, right? Not exactly the most sterile environment to be worn into, but he was being made into human likeness, and he entered in with humility at an incredible level. And then it says this in verse 8, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Speaking here of the, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet, when, when he was speaking about who Jesus was, and, and as he was seeing as well the humility that, that Jesus would exhibit and extend and as he, as he wrote about that, he wrote about exactly the extent to which Jesus would travel, all that he would do to bring redemption to people like you and to people like, a person like me. And, and he makes it so clear, it cost him everything. That was the distance he went. And so Isaiah writes this in verse 4. He says, surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God. So it says that he... Bore our suffering. What it's saying there is this that you have sin and I have sin, but instead of just coming and saying, hey, end of story, it was a beautiful birth and Mary and Joseph lived happily ever after and so did Jesus, no. It didn't play out that way. He bore our pain, meaning this, He endured our suffering, meaning He paid the price, the penalty for your sin and for my sin. Yet, we considered him punished by God as he went through the cross, stricken by him and afflicted. But here's the truth, verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. And then it says this, it says, we all like sheep, we've gone astray. And each of us is turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity or the, the punishment or the sin of us all. Do you see the lengths that Jesus traveled to be with us? That promise. Do you see the lengths that he went? Read through the scriptures and you'll see this personal handprint of God embracing and actively going after his children to bring them redemption know this there is no distance between you and god that is greater than the distance that jesus christ traveled to be with us no distance have you ever had somebody in your life and and they just did something so just nice for you so big for you that you were just overwhelmed with gratitude have you ever had that feeling Somebody in your life, they just, they just blessed you in a way that you just couldn't believe. You were like, gee, it's too much. You ever had that happen? And you, you know that feeling that wells up inside of you when somebody does that. It's just, it's just such gratitude that you feel for them. You want to express it, but the words can't even do it, and, and it's that way. Lots of times, I'll get to talk to somebody who's just put their faith in Jesus Christ. And oftentimes that person will have come from a very religious background. That person will um, have found that religion is very unappealing. It's, it's full of a whole lot of, of, of duty. Maybe they would describe it that way. A lot of things that, this, you know, I'm trying to do this, trying to do that, trying to please God, never enough, that kind of thing. And then you'll talk to them and they'll say something like this. They'll say, then I put my faith in Jesus Christ. And they might talk for a little bit about, okay, what was life wh- like before I knew God. And they might mention to you, well, I, 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 never, I never had confidence. Okay, where one day? Well, how's life going to play out for me? And they never had this sense that, okay, God, you are with me right even in the middle of my brokenness. Maybe right even in the middle of my pain. But then I love it when this happens. Then they turn a corner in the conversation and they say, and then I put my faith in God. And now I have confidence And I know life won't be perfect, but God is with me. And his peace and his presence and his direction and the promises that he made and his forgiveness and his love and his grace, it changes everything. And what it does for us is this, this reality that God is with us, it leads us to this place of incredible gratitude. You know, this time of year, I don't know about you, but a leading question that many of us have, I would say probably all of us have had in the month of December, or we, for the procrastinators, you'll have it soon. It's this, what am I gonna give so-and-so? It's not a bad question, is it? I mean, you look at the people in your life, I do the same thing, and and I, you want to bless them. The people you care about, you, you go, man, what gift could I give them that would be special? It wouldn't just be token, but it would... It would mean a lot to them. What could I give? But this time of year, I just want to challenge you and encourage you with this question. I think it's the most important one. I think it's more important than what can you give. When you think about what we're celebrating and everything, I think we have to come to this place and ask ourselves the question, am I humble enough to receive? Am I humble enough to receive this gift from God that I don't deserve but oh man, it is so good, the fact that God is with us, the fact that God would forgive me, the fact that God bore the penalty for my wrongdoing, can I receive that? You know, sometimes when I'm behind on sleep, um, I'll try to catch up in in one night. You ever do that? You you just go to bed really early to try to just kind of reset the system a little bit. And so sometimes when I do that, I'll go to bed before Christina does, and inevitably I have to walk by our youngest son's room in order to get to our bedroom. And what usually happens is if I walk by his room and he is still awake, I can count on the fact that in about 30 seconds, I'm going to feel him crawling into our bed, trying to do it nice and quietly, and then he'll, he'll kind of get snuggled up right next to me. He'll put his hand right on my shoulder. I've just done this enough times now. I can just predict it. He puts his hand on my shoulder, And I've experimented with this even a little bit. Here's what happens. If I roll over or just move a little bit so his hand falls off, if he is still awake, even just a little bit, what he'll do next is this, is he'll kind of pat the pillow, and then he'll say this. He'll say, Dad, he'll say, Dad, are you still there? Dad, are you still there? Because in that dark room, the presence of his father is very important. Let me ask you this question. Do you believe, do you ever wonder if God is with you? Do you ever wonder, is God as close to me as, Jeff, you are to your son on those nights? Because here's the thing. God gave us this promise when he said, hey, the storyline of how I'm sending my son, right in the middle of the storyline of that is this promise, I am with you. I will not leave you. My grace will not leave you. My forgiveness will not leave you. I am with you. In the presence of God, it means so incredibly much. Back to this promise, Matthew chapter 1. says the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, think of the humility that it took. For God to send his son, for Jesus Christ to dwell among us. And in this incredible act of humility, he offers us this incredible gift. But what struck me uh, in a fresh way this week was this. It takes an incredible act of humility on your part and on my part to receive it. And to say, yes, God, I want you to be with me me. Emmanuel, God with us, God with you, with me. I want to close with this story. On Christmas Day in 1864, there was this poet, and his name was Henry Longfellow, and he composed the words to what would become this famous Christmas carol, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And with many best songs, you know, with many of the, the songs that become famous, oftentimes those songs come out of a place of tragedy. His source of tragedy, his source of brokenness and pain and despair had to do with his wife and his son. And it created a mess for Henry that, that drove him to a, to, to a place of utter despair. His wife was killed in a fire. And in the middle of it, Henry tried to save her, and in his effort to save her, which was unsuccessful, he was burned so badly he couldn't even attend her funeral. About a year later then, his son was shot in the American Civil War, and it paralyzed him. And on Christmas Day, 1861, overwhelmed by the life that he faced, he wrote these words, He wrote, how inexpressibly sad are all holidays. A Merry Christmas, says the children, but that is no more for me. Maybe you can relate to that even today. Maybe you can relate to that kind of pain. Maybe brokenness that you didn't even create, it just came your way. Take a look at this clip. Three years later, um, Henry Longfellow, he grabbed a hold of this promise and after years of despair and years of anguish and inner toil, he wrote these words again as he grabbed a hold of this promise and for Henry Longfellow, he realized, okay, life with God, the fact that God would dwell with us, he realized, okay, it's not just an option out there, he realized It's the best option. It's an incredible option. And so in that place, he wrote the famous carol with these words, God is not dead, nor does he sleep. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. And, you know, maybe you've thought, hey, surely surely, God would not enter into my brokenness. Or maybe even you're here this morning and you would say, you know what? I've been doing life without God for so long why would I invite him in now? Or maybe you would say, you know what, I've been doing life with, without God for a long time, and actually I'm doing okay. I just want to say this to you with, um, with 100% sincerity. God has so much more for you than just okay. And God has so much more for you and such a bigger desire for you than to just get along. He desires abundant life for you. When you invite him in, and know this about God, he's not the type that he'll put you in a headlock and stiff arm you and just drag you to himself. He doesn't work that way. But when you invite him in and you begin to see him work in your life, and I'll be honest, there are things that he might expose in you that you would just rather leave alone, but over the long haul, as you see the love of God to the core of his being, as you see it show up in your life and you experience his love and his grace and his forgiveness and his renewal and his strength and his continual presence, you will look back and you will say, oh, life with God, that is an option. I wish I would have considered sooner. I came to know Christ in college and and I'll be honest, life since then has not been even close to perfect. But if you were to ask me if I could do anything over, I would say this, I wish I would have gotten serious about my faith in Jesus Christ sooner. So here's what I want to do before we look at how Longfellow responded eventually after he put his trust in God. And we're going to sing then together to close. But before we do that, I want to invite you to do something this morning. I want to invite you to put God in the center of your life. Think of a manger scene. I don't want to invite you to put God like where the sheep are, clear on the the edges. But right in the center. Not attack on. But would you put God right in the center? Because he comes right down into the middle of the brokenness. He comes for those who are not perfect and who know it. In Luke chapter 5, it says that Jesus came not not for the healthy, but he came for the sick. He didn't come to call the righteous, and those were like the self-righteous, those that were prideful and said, I've got it all together. But he came to call those who would say, I humbly come before you, Lord, because I don't have it all together. Romans 5 says that while we were still sinners, in the midst of your worst day, God, Christ, died for us. And so now I'm just going to pray for us. And if you're a Christian here today, um, oh, would would you worship? Let's worship God together in this place. And then if you're not, if you haven't ever said, God, I invite you in. I long for your presence. I've done it long enough on my own. I just want to ask you this morning, would you simply say, God, I invite you in? Would today be your day when you invite God in? It's a game changer you'll never regret. And so, yeah, let me just pray for us. We'll close. Lord, I thank you this morning for Christmas. Lord, I thank you for this time of year that reminds us of the extent to which you traveled so that you could be with us. And the extent to which you traveled that distance, Lord, no matter how wide the distance is between you and us at this point, the distance that Jesus Christ traveled makes up for that. That was greater. And so, Lord, thank you for the opportunity you give us to invite you into our lives. So if you're here this morning and you would say, you know what, I've never done that, you can simply say to Jesus right now, Jesus, I invite you in. And I thank you that you died for me. I thank you that you um, promised me the fact that you will be with me, that you forgive me of my sins, that you lead me, that your presence will guide me, you'll direct me. And I embrace you today. Lord, we worship you in this place. And if that's a first-time kind of prayer for you today, I just want you to know God rejoices. You are a child of God. You've just begun a journey Oh, that you are going to experience the, the reality of God with you in your life. It's incredible. And so, Lord, we love you.